Well, what an exciting morning so far here at Living Church. Uh, we got to talk with our friends, the Stuvas, as God's sending them out into some new things. Just last night, our missions team got back uh, from Los Angeles. Everybody survived. They're all alive. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. They did great things. God used them to do big stuff. I was talking uh, with Harlan real briefly this morning, and he talked about how they're stepping into a new season now, that a lot of these students and leaders did some amazing things and saw some great things in their heart, is that in this new time, that man, that God would allow them to continue to minister in, uh, in great ways. So thank you for those of you that supported those students and those leaders to go on that trip. Well, today is week four of our series, Suit Up. Everyone say, Suit Up. Where we're looking through Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul talks to us about how we need to put on the full armor of God, about how we need to get suited up on a daily occasion so that we can be prepared for all the difficulties that come in life. Because the truth is, there's a very real enemy. His name's the devil. He's not a nice guy, right? His goal is to bring destruction to us. His goal is to hurt us and hinder us. You know, if we believe that there's a God in heaven who loves us, then we've also got to believe that there's a devil in hell who hates us. And so we're trapped in between this invisible battle, and for us to be able to take our stand on a daily basis in it, Paul says, you got to suit up. You've got to put on all the different pieces of armor. So the first week, uh, if you missed it, we talked about how we live in this realm that we don't see, about how we get so concerned about the visible fruit that we forget about dealing with the invisible root. And the second week, we talked about uh, the belt of truth, and about how truth is something that will gird us, it will give us strength. It's upon that truth that we can hang our weaponry and about how truth is important. And truth is uh, God's view on any subject. That truth is not our opinion. Truth is not our perspective. But that truth is only dependent upon what God says in his word. And then the third week we talked about the breastplate of righteousness and about how that in life the enemy would want to come and kill our heart. He'd want to attack our most valuable thing. But that what we need to do is protect ourselves with the breastplate of righteousness. And sometimes righteousness can feel really heavy. It can feel like it's bearing down on our shoulders. But that righteousness is not something that we only carry on our own, but it's also fastened within truth. You see, God's uh, goal for us, or for us to uh, be able to meet the righteous standard of God, is impossible, which is kind of frustrating, because God's standard is perfection. But God understood this, and he understood that I have to make a way where there is no way. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for us so that in him we might be made righteous. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 2. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become, everyone say become, become the righteousness of God. So we have a responsibility to practice righteousness and to get better at being righteous, but really our righteousness comes from Jesus. But today, uh, week four, we're talking about the shoes of peace. Everyone say peace. Now say it like you a gangster, peace. peace, right? So we have to walk in peace that in life we have been called to walk, to live a life of peace. And so I want to read for you what we've talked about so far. Ephesians 6, starting verse 10, we'll read down through the shoes of peace. He says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, because of all that, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with a breastplate of righteousness in, 
in place, verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Every morning when we wake up, before we leave the house, we put on our shoes, right? At least hopefully you do, right? We all put on no no shirt, no shoes, no service, right? Hopefully you put your shoes on. You know, uh, specific places require specific shoes, right? If you're going to a specific place, you have to wear a specific kind of shoe. If you're going to a rodeo, you're going to go ahead and uh, cowboy up and put on your rodeo boots. If you, uh, let's see, if you are going to play soccer, you're going to grab your soccer cleats and you're going to put those on because specific shoes uh, set you up for victory in uh, specific places. If you're a firefighter, you're going to get some firefighter boots. You don't want to be wearing some flip-flops in the flames, y'all. And so you're going to grab those and they're going to help you get ready for the places that you need to go. Let's say you're going out to a nice dinner. Then you're going to grab yourself some little wingtips, fellas. Trust me, you're going to grab these, you're going to look good, you're going to a nice dinner. Wherever you're going, you're going to set yourself up for success. Let's say uh, that you have an interview at the strip club, you know, you're all ready, right? So, so whatever, whatever you need in life, you've got it. So specific shoes set you up for specific places. I'm just playing, I'm just playing. And so we put on certain shoes depending on where we're going. And so Paul, he tells us, i got to wake you up every once in a while. And so Paul, he tells us, hey, you're going into a spiritual battle. You're walking into battle. And so because of that, you have to put on the appropriate footwear. You have to put on the shoes of peace so you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. So a Roman soldier, his shoes uh, would be made of a thick leather sole. And those sandals, they would be held on through multiple leather straps that went over the foot and even up around the ankle and the calf. And on the bottom of that shoe, he would have rows of metal spikes, of cleats. And these shoes, they gave him a massive advantage in the battle. Because many times the men or the people that they were fighting wouldn't have as nice of shoes. And these shoes would help him be able to accomplish all that he wanted to do. In that day, if you were wealthy, then you would wear shoes. But the shoes that you would wear would have a thin leather sole that would be probably held on by strips of fabric. Or if you didn't even have that much money, your shoes would be made just of fabric and their only goals would be to protect you from the heat of the sun. But the Roman centurion had these powerful shoes that would set them up for success. And the shoes that they put on and the shoes that we wear on a daily basis, they do a couple of things. One is shoes allow you to walk over things that would normally injure your feet, right? You put the shoes on, it helps you walk over stuff. You can uh, walk down a, a stone path and your feet won't get cut. You could walk through a field that has a lot of thorns in it and it won't cause you a problem. The sun can be blazing, but your feet are protected. The shoes would protect you from things you would normally be injured from. Shoes would allow you to travel a great distance. Let's say you had to walk somewhere far. You're going to put on your tennis shoes. You're going to put on your running shoes. You're going to put on something that's comfortable, and it would allow you to, make, to walk a great distance. But in that day, if there was an army that they didn't have appropriate footwear, they would have a really hard time marching to the place they needed to get to. Shoes would also provide you sure footing on unstable or slippery surfaces. So if you were walking through the sand and you didn't have shoes on, it would be very hard for you to gain any traction. Or if it rained on the clay there where they were, it would become extremely slippery and they would be falling down everywhere they, every time they walked on something with any kind of a slope. And so the grip, the, the, the traction on the bottom of the shoes would give them the ability to have stable footing even in unstable situations. Uh, the shoe in, ensured that they had a foundation to push from, that they could push from this. The Romans, when they would go into battle, they would take with them battering ram. They would take with them catapults. They would take these big implements of war. And so soldiers would have to get behind them 
and push. And so because they had a firm foundation in their shoes, they could gain traction to push. Next week, we're going to learn about the shield of faith. And when they pick up their faith, when they pick up the shield, if an enemy would come against them, they would have a firm footing in their feet and about how shoes are extremely important there. But also, shoes prepare you for whatever life leads. You know, a Roman soldier would get up and put their shoe on and not really know all that was going to come that day, not know everything that they were going to be walking into. But no matter whether it was good weather or bad weather, no matter they were on a dirt road or a stony trail, those shoes enabled them to be able to navigate that thing with victory. And you see, Paul gives us this physical illustration for a spiritual, uh, practical understanding. That physically we understand the need of shoes, but do you understand that all of those things relate to us spiritually? That that, That peace, shoes of peace, peace allows you to walk over things that would normally injure you. Come on somebody, I'm already preaching, right? Peace allows you to step on things that would normally injure you, that would normally cut you, that would normally cause you problems. Peace allows you to travel a great distance. Because when you have peace, you don't have to give up. You don't have to get weary. You can keep on pushing. Peace, it gives you traction in slippery situations. Because sometimes life gets crazy and life gets hectic. And if you don't have peace, you're going to fall down. Peace, it gives you a foundation to push from. That when your enemy tries to push you back into some things that you don't want to go to, that peace that God loves you and peace that God is with you, it's your cleat. It's the thing that holds you. And peace allows you to walk into anything that life throws at you. So Paul, when he's looking at the Roman soldier and looks at their shoes, he says, you've got to suit up. You've got to put on the peace of God because it's through that that you can do great things. Peace is calm and tranquility of the soul in the midst of difficult situations. Peace is calm and tranquility of the soul in the midst of difficult situations. I heard a story about a pastor who was decorating his office. And he said, you know, I want my office to be a place that's peaceful. I have a lot of stress in life. I want to walk into my office and be able to have peace. And so he had two friends in the church that were both artists. And so he called them in and he said, hey, I'm redecorating my office. Would you paint me a photo of peace, a representation of peace so that I walk in, I can be calm. And both artists, they said, yeah, pastor, we'll do that for you. So a week went by, both artists went back to their studios and created beautiful masterpieces, beautiful paintings, and they brought them to the pastor the next Sunday. And the next Sunday, the first painter shows the pastor their masterpiece, and it's a beautiful, calm view of a sunset over the water on a beach with a palm tree and a little bird flying in the air. And the pastor looks at this beautiful painting, and he says, this is just what I had in mind. And the second painter is there, and now he's a little anxious because what he painted is very different. He pulls out his photo and shows it to the pastor, and it's a, it's a painting of a thunderstorm. And there's dark clouds, and there's heavy rain, and there's lightning. And he says, I don't understand how this is a photo of peace. And the artist says, well, pastor, look down here in the corner. And in the corner of the painting, there was a stick with a little bird sitting on it. And the little bird had one leaf over his head protecting him from the rain. And out of his mouth, he was singing a song. And the, and the artist said, Pastor, that's peace. And in the midst of trouble, then in the midst of a storm, then in the midst of chaos, you can still have a song in your heart. 
You see, sometimes we think that peace is only when we're sitting on the beach and we hear the waves moving and the sun's on our skin and everything is good. But real peace is when life is chaotic, when things aren't going the direction that we want them to go, but yet we still have a song in our heart because peace is calm and tranquility of the soul in the midst of different difficult situations. You see, biblical peace is knowing that everything's okay even though everything's not okay. That even though stuff is falling apart and there's worry and there's chaos around you, that inside of you, you have peace in a whole nother way. You see, the first three pieces of armor, Paul says this is a state we're supposed to be in. The next three, we're supposed to take them up. We're supposed to be in a state of truth. We're supposed to live in a state of righteousness and we're supposed to walk in peace. We're supposed to be in peace. So if peace isn't your normal way of operating, then you're out of sync spiritually. Now I'm talking to myself too, y'all. But if you're not living in a state of peace, if you're not the little bird on a thunderstorm with a song in your heart, it's because you don't have a full understanding of what God's peace is. You see, if worry is your normal way of operating, if anxiety is just how you live, if being nervous and you're constantly saying, I'm overwhelmed, if you hear those things coming out of your heart and out of your mouth all the time, then there's something out of sync inside of you. There's something out of sync in your relationship with God because God says, suit up, put on the shoes of peace so that you can walk in that. You see, what happens is, is we leave our house in the morning without the appropriate footwear. You would never go to a wedding wearing big combat boots, right? You would never walk through a snowstorm in some flip-flops. You wouldn't do that. You would have put on the appropriate footwear. And so if life is crazy and there's something at work that's exploding or something in family that's overwhelming, then we have to intentionally say, I'm going to put on the shoes of peace so that I can be at a state of peace. So the question is, what's your normal? What's your normal? Not how, are you, how, how do you act, but like internally, what's your normal? Are you at a state of peace? Or are you constantly worried and living in anxiety? You see, peace isn't something that should show up every once in a while. That should show up when we go on vacation or that should show up like on a Saturday when we finally took the day off and all our bills are paid, right? Not, that's not peace. Worry should show up every once in a while and not stay very long. But peace is a state that we are called to live in. And you're out there saying, okay, pastor, but How? Thanks for beating me up, but how do I do that? How, how do I put these magical shoes on? How do I do it? Well, Paul tells us, look at what it says, Ephesians 6:15. He says, "And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel, everyone say gospel. Gospel of peace. Gospel is translated into good news. I love how the New Living Translation says it says this, uh, Ephesians 6:15, "For shoes." Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. You see, to fully understand peace, you have to understand the gospel. So the good news, the gospel, is the fact that God sent his son Jesus to earth to live among us and then die for the, for the payment of our sins. That's the good news. That's the gospel. But you see, a lot of Christians, a lot of believers, we stop there. And we only understand half of the gospel. 
But can I tell you that the good news of Jesus is way more than just that? That Jesus came to be a lot more than fire insurance. He came to be a lot more than a guy who would help us get out of the frying pan of hell. But that he came so that we could have freedom in life. Look what the Bible says in Romans 5.10. It says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So we were made whole we were forgiven through the death of his son, but that our life, we can live a life of victory through the life of Jesus. You see, Jesus could have stopped through his death. For thousands of years, people would sin and they would take a sheep or a lamb or a goat or something to a priest. And then that animal would be sacrificed and that animal's blood would pay for the penalty of their sin. I know I'm getting deep, it's okay, we'll come out on the other side. And so they would sacrifice this animal for the forgiveness of their sin. The animal never came back to life. The animal just stayed dead, but yet it did the job. You see, Jesus could have came and died on the cross, and that would have been enough. But when he died, he went down to hell, and he got in a fist fight with the devil, and he took from him the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he arose again three days later with victory in his hand. And you see, Jesus is alive, y'all. Jesus, right now, like right now, Jesus is alive. And the Bible tells us that he's in heaven. Look at what it says. It says in Romans 8, uh, 34, Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God and who also intercedes for us. So right now, the gospel, the good news, is not only that Jesus provided salvation, but that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's defending us from the accuser. Remember, the devil's the accuser of the brethren, but Jesus is our advocate. And he's saying, hey, God, no, no, that's not the story. I covered that. I covered that. I covered that. He's our advocate. And so our peace can come in what Jesus did, not only through death, but in life. Jesus provided victory for us in death, but he also provided victory for us in life. And that's the reason we can have peace. Peace comes from God alone, y'all. The only way that you can have peace is from a relationship and an understanding of how much God loves you. Romans 5 Chapter, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 14. For he himself is our peace. Yeah. Hebrews 13, 20. God is a God of peace. The devil is one of confusion and of lies, but God is a God of peace. John 16, 33. He said, In me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, he has not only overcome sin and death, but he's overcome every trouble that we face in life, that in Jesus, we can have peace. <clears throat> peace is calm and tranquility of the soul in the midst of difficult situations. And what I've learned as I've gotten older is I've seen that the world, it offers temporary peace. The world offers us momentary peace. You can go to the doctor and you can pop a pill and you can have peace. You can have pill pop and Prozac peace, right? That is a thing. <laughs> but that pill that you pop, it will wear off and the peace will not still be there. And so what we try to do is we try to find peace through all of these external things. I remember when we were in this building renovation, I was about ready to die. I was stressed out, I was overwhelmed, I was anxious, I was not handling it well, I was not putting on my shoes of peace. And so when I came home at night, Rachel saw this pressure on me, and she said, we have to, we have to do something. I have to help him. 
He has to laugh. He has to have some joy. And so while we did this building renovation, every, you remember, baby? Every night she's crying. Don't cry. Man, don't do that to me. And so, what in the world? And so I wasn't even going there. And so, and so I would come home, and before we'd go to bed, we'd watch an episode of The Office. And I'd sit there and I'd laugh. And I would have this momentary peace. But you know what would happen after we turned the show off and I laid in bed? My brain kept spinning. Because that thing, that entertainment, there's nothing wrong with it. Go to the movies. Watch television. I have a subscription to Netflix and Hulu, right? You can have all of those things. You can have all of those things. But that only provides a momentary peace. We find people that they have stress in life, so what do they do? They go to the bar or they go and get drunk. And they're chasing peace in the bottom of a bottle. And so what happens is you do, you do have a momentary peace. That is true. You do forget your problems. You do forget your stresses. You can take drugs, and you take drugs, and then you forget your problems. And don't look down on somebody who drinks or uh, does alcohol if you're chasing peace in the bottom of a cheeseburger, right? Because I've done that too. I get overwhelmed with my problems. I get stressed out. Hey, Trustin, where are you? Uh, and I don't answer. I'm at a restaurant. Rah, 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 rah. Right? And so what we do... I remember, I'm transparent, y'all. And so what we do is we chase peace in these external things. Yeah. Well, man, if I eat this, I'm going to have peace. If I drink this, I'm going to have peace. If I go here, I'm going to have peace. If, if, I, if I can just go to the mall and cha-ching, buy something new, I'm going to have peace. Why do you think we got so many shoes up on this rack, right? And so what we need to do is not have retail therapy because retail therapy only lasts, you wear it one time and then it's old. But you see, the peace of God is more than that. And so there's, the world gives us external peace, but it's through Jesus that we can have this everlasting internal peace. Man, there's a difference, y'all. There's a difference between the peace that God gives us. Before the cross, before Jesus went to the cross, the cross, talk about stress and anxiety and being nervous and overwhelmed. Before Jesus went to the cross, he said this, to his disciples. He says, I am leaving you with a gift of peace and mind and heart, of soul and spirit. I'm leaving you peace of soul and spirit. So, so I don't really have time to, I'm going to try. I don't really have time. But what we try to do is we try to create peace in our soul through putting things in. You see, man is made up of three different pieces, body, soul, and spirit. Our, our spirit is what is connected with God, and it is the thing that is saved after we ask Jesus into our heart. Our soul is our mind, is our personality, is our attitude, is our life's experience, and then our body is our flesh. And so we have chaos in our soul, and so we try to fix this problem the wrong direction. We try to fix it through doing something with our body. If I eat this, if I drink this, if I wear this, if I spend this much money, then I'm going to fix this problem that's broken inside of me. But that's the wrong direction. What we need to do is we need to fix it from our spirit out because this is the only thing that's life-giving. And we need to allow Jesus to come into us and allow his truth to gird us. Man, this is good stuff, y'all. We need to allow ourselves to be gird with truth. And then once we fix what's happening in our spirit, then our soul can have peace. And when our soul has peace, we stop trying to chase peace in our body. I don't have time. Okay, John 14, 27. Before the cross, he says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, soul and spirit. I'm leaving you that peace. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. He gives us a peace 
through our spirit of understanding the truth of the gospel. When we understand that Jesus forgives of our sins and loves us and died so we can have victory in life, not only death, then we're girded with truth, and then now we can have peace to live our life. But instead, we're doing it backwards, y'all. We run all around trying to fill our outside to fix our inside. Right before this, this is verse 27, John 14, 27. Right before John 14, 26, Jesus says, I leave you an advocate. I leave you and I give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And then one sentence later, he's talking about peace. Can I just push a pause button on the peace sermon and talk about the Holy Spirit just for a second? Just for a second. So we hear the Holy Spirit and we get nervous because people in my position as communicators of the truth of God focus more on sensationalism than they do focus on life-changing application. And so the Holy Spirit has turned into this circus act, turned into this sideshow, and not one who walks with us to give us power and authority and so we can live in freedom. And so when you hear the Holy Spirit, I know, y'all, I know sometimes you hear the Holy Spirit and people go, whoa, he's about to start talking about some weird stuff. No, that's because you're focusing on, Nick's laughing because he knows it's true, right? Because people, many times they focus on the sensationalism of what the Holy Spirit produces. But the Holy Spirit God has given us as a gift so we can have power and walk in authority and have peace. So please let me challenge your bad experience with the Holy Spirit. Not today, but let me challenge, I don't have time, I still have to talk about peace. Let me challenge your ideas on what the Holy Spirit is and who he is and what he does. So today, we're finishing the first three pieces of the armor, right? The state that we're supposed to be in. Next week, we talk about the ones we're supposed to pick up, the shield and the helmet and the sword. And then the fourth week, I don't know what the date is, in four weeks, I'm going to end the series and I'm going to talk about, because Paul, he says, and pray in the Spirit, So in four weeks from today, I don't care if you're going to Disneyland, cancel the trip, be here, because we're going to be talking about what does that mean? What does the Holy Spirit mean for our lives so we can have peace? Okay, unpause, back into the peace uh, message. Sorry, I had to get on a soapbox just for a minute. Okay, Uh, the Bible says that God will give us a peace. Is that okay that I do that every once in a while? Okay, so uh, the Bible says this in Philippians chapter 4. It tells us that God will give us a peace that surpasses our understanding. Let me read it for you. It says, be anxious for nothing. Be stressed out for nothing. Be worried about nothing. Be overwhelmed about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds, will guard your soul and your spirit in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is righteous, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Whatever you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, put these things into practice. We talked about practice last week with righteousness. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you you when you gird yourself with truth and you hang righteousness from your shoulders, it's in that that peace can be with you. Peace is not found externally. Peace is found internally. The reason that peace surpasses our understanding is because when we find ourselves in a situation that's unbelievable, we still have belief in God. So that when you're 
when you, when you lose your job, you shouldn't be peaceful, but you are because you know that God is with you. So that when you run out of money, you shouldn't be peaceful, but you are because you know that he's your provider. So that when you're sick, you shouldn't be peaceful, but you are because you know that he's your healer. When things in life are chaotic and falling apart and there's no direction, you don't know what's happening, you shouldn't have peace, but you do because he says, I'm with you always, even until the very end of the age. You see, it's in that understanding, it's in that truth that we can have a peace that surpasses understanding. You see, the, the leg protectors are hung from truth. When the, before they would go into battle, even the Romans would do the same thing, that they would hang some additional protection for their legs before walking into a battle. And so we have to hang our protection of our peace on the truth. Yeah. It's the thing that holds us all together. I'm going to ask a couple of the guys in the band to come and help me. In, 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 in Matthew 8 and in Mark 4, there's a story of Jesus and the disciples uh, crossing over a body of water. And so they get into the boat, and as they're crossing the body of water, the, uh, the Bible says that a storm arises. And there's this chaotic, crazy storm. The waves are crashing into the boat. They're just putting their guitars on. It's okay. And so the, the water is crashing into the boat, and everybody's stressed out. Everybody is overwhelmed. And guess where Jesus is? He's asleep in the bottom of the boat taking a nap. The Bible says that Jesus is on a mat with a pillow. He's just curled up, just sawing logs. And the disciples are running around with buckets, bailing water out, stressing out, freaking out, overwhelmed. So much so they finally go and they wake up Jesus. Jesus, do you not care that we perish? Wake up. And so Jesus rubs the sleep from his eyes. And I imagine he's kind of annoyed with these dudes. And so he wakes up. The Bible says that he walks into the front of the boat and he says, peace, be still. And the wind and the waves calm down. The storm subsides. And Jesus walks back to his mat, back to his pillow, and he goes back to sleep. And see, I get this idea that the disciples are freaking out and overwhelmed because they don't have peace in who's in their boat. But if they would just realize who's in their boat, then they wouldn't need to be fearful. They wouldn't need to be overwhelmed. And the reason that Jesus, when he woke up, he wasn't afraid and screaming and crying is because he dwelled in peace. I've heard pastors take this out of context before and say that, well, the reason Jesus was asleep in the boat <clears throat> is because he was extremely tired and he had been very busy, you know, doing ministry. Listen, I've been real busy too, but if I'm in a boat that's about to sink, I'm waking up. Yeah. <laughs> the reason that Jesus was asleep is because he was founded in peace. And you cannot speak what you are not founded in. And so when the troubles of life hit, the reason you can't speak peace is because you are not secured in it. So we have to secure ourselves in the truth of God. We have to secure ourselves in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he not only forgave us for our sins, but that he rose back again so we could be victorious in life. And in that, we can have peace in any situation. Jesus can give you storm-sleeping peace. He can give you water-walking peace. He can give you cross-conquering peace but it's only in him, not in anything external. You see, when we worry, the devil wins. He wins. It's literally his objective to make us worry and get us overwhelmed. Can I tell you something? The devil doesn't want your car. The devil doesn't want your house. The devil doesn't want your job. He already has one. The devil doesn't care about your hot water heater. He doesn't care about your air conditioner. He doesn't care about your transmission. 
He doesn't care about your promotion. He doesn't care about none of that. But the reason he attacks your hot water heater and your air conditioner and he attacks your promotion at work and he attacks your transmission is so he can steal your peace. Because he knows if I can get at them through their things, that I can get the thing that's really way more valuable and that's their peace. So when the enemy comes and life starts going chaotic, you've got to make the decision to be a little bird on a branch, under a leaf, singing a song in the storm. Because the Bible says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It says that you are more than a conqueror. So we have to listen to that truth and not all the information. You know, facts are not always true. The fact may be your transmission is broke, but the truth is that God is your supplier. See what I did? So you've got to speak truth over situations that make you fearful. Colossians 3.15, it says, and let, and let, and let. And let, we have to allow it. God is a gentleman. God won't shove his peace down your throat. We have to allow him. We have to and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Let it rule in your hearts. Let it rule. Make him the king. Make him the umpire. Make him the final judge. Let it rule in our hearts. And when we do that, we can have peace. Uh... I know you guys are kind of hidden back here. I got too many props on stage. Hey, Adam, would you play something calm for me? Just nice and calm. See, doesn't that feel good? Just soak it in. It just feels so good, right? It makes you want to take a nap. It makes you just want to lay down. And sometimes life is like this. Sometimes everything's going good. And it's like our life is just a lullaby. All your bills are paid. You're not in a fight with anybody in your family. You and your boss at work are getting along. There's no engine light on in the car you drive, right? Like everything is just peaceful. But then sometimes the tempo of life changes. And it turns into something not as easy and not something is called, and it feels like everything is stressful and everything is heavy, and your boss sent you a memo that you don't know what to do with, and the bills just keep coming, and then you get pulled over and you get a, you get a ticket from a police officer, right? And all of this stuff just starts happening, and so what you do is you lose your peace. But then things, they calm down, and they're peaceful again. And Saturday comes and you get the day off, And then you finally, you know, get your week of vacation. And so you get on the plane and you go on vacation. And then you get to the hotel and they don't have your reservation. And then you realize that everything's way more expensive than you planned. And this thing that you were all excited about and looking forward to falls apart and you lose your peace and anxiety. But you see, then you come to church on a Sunday. You come to church on Sunday. Pastor Brandon gets up here with his lion tattoo on his arm. He says, you know, God's the lion and the lamb, you know. So I'm going to worship Jesus and just everything's okay and, and it's all good. Except then school's about to start. And so I've got to buy all these school supplies. And I've got to do all these things. And it's causing me all this anxiety and this chaos. And who's going to drive the kids? And where's the bus stop? And what if they don't like their teacher? And so our life 
is schizophrenic. <laughs> because it's like one moment we have peace and the next moment we have chaos. But you see, once you really understand the gospel, once you really gird yourself with some truth, then when life is chaotic and life is overwhelming and life is scary, you can still have peace. And no matter what's happening on the outside, you know that what's happening on the inside is calm. What's on the inside is stable. Here's what I've learned about God is that God won't always calm down the storm around you, but he will always calm the storm that's in you. And I pray that all the time when I'm up here as a prayer partner, I pray that over people, that God would help calm the storm that's on the inside. Philippians 4, 9, it says, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So my encouragement for you is practice peace. In this world, you will have trouble. In life, there will be a heavy metal guitar riff that starts playing and your blood pressure starts to go up and your temperature starts to rise. That will happen. Your car will break down. Your boss will yell at you. Your kid will get kicked off the bus and then you gotta drive him to school, right? That kind of stuff, it's gonna happen, y'all. But Jesus said, take heart, I have overcome the world and your peace is found in me. When we put the peace on the inside, we can walk with peace on the outside. The way that we can bat the lie of the enemy is with the truth. And so when fear comes up and worry comes up, we have to say, God, you are not a God of confusion, but you are a God of peace. And so I settle myself because you can't speak peace if you're not at peace, remember? So get calm, calm down, take a minute. I'm okay. God's with me. God's for me. He believes in me. The steps of the righteous are ordered of God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Speak peace against the lie. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the people of Living Church. I thank you, God, for the things that you've been doing in their lives. Father, you've had us on a theme here at Living Church as we talked about how your ways are greater than our ways and your thoughts are greater than our thoughts and your peace is greater than our trouble. And Father, today we learn that we have to put on the shoes of peace. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be a light to the world, not just in the fact that we talk about Jesus or go to church, but because we can walk in peace. It's the fact that we're peaceful that lets people see that you are in us. So God, I I speak to everyone here who's chaotic and who has a broken heart and has some things that they don't know what to do. And God, I ask that this week, that they would find refuge in you. That instead of seeking peace or refuge from something external, that they would feed their internal man and that in that they would have strength. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Before we go this morning, I've got to imagine that there's somebody here who might not be in a right relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you hear me talk about this God that loves you and this God that cares about you and this God that believes you, but yet you haven't ever accepted him into your heart. You know, God sent his one and only son to pay the price of all of your mistakes. Every mistake I've ever made, I've given to God and God has forgiven it. He's wiped my slate clean. God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And so if you're here in this place and you don't have a right relationship with Jesus, you can this morning. I want to give you the opportunity to just simply pray a prayer with me. 
pray a prayer that hundreds of people in Living Church have already prayed. A simple prayer that just says, God, forgive me my sin and come into my heart. So all across this room, if you would, close your eyes and bow your heads. If that's you, you need to say, you know, today I feel something in me pulling me. That's the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God will draw all men and all women unto himself, that God's drawing you closer to him. And so if you want to ask Jesus into your heart this morning, don't wait. Today can be your day, real simply. I just want you to raise your hand and look up at me. We're not going to stand you up. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want to pray a prayer with you that God would forgive you of all of your sins. If that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. Don't wait. One, two, three. If that's you, just raise it up. Yep, I see this hand right here. Anybody else want to join this one? They would say, yep, I see this hand here. Anybody else want to join these and say, today's my day. I want to ask Jesus Christ in my heart as my Lord and Savior. Living Church, would you pray with me and these few that raised their hand? Everyone just say, Dear God, forgive me my sin and come into my heart. God, from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. All that stuff in my past, you've washed away and you made me new. I love you, Jesus. Your name. Amen.